It's so hard to find time for writing, isn't it? It's hard to do all the things a writer needs to do these days. If only, if only we had a simple system that we could set up to make the rest of our creative life flourish. I have business coach and online business manager Carrie Roberts here today to help us think through simple systems we can set up to increase our writing productivity. I'm Ann Croker, writing coach, and if you're new here, welcome. If you're a regular, welcome back. I'm sharing my best tips and training skills and strategies to help you improve your craft, pursue publishing, and achieve your writing goals. Be sure to subscribe for more content. From time to time, I invite guests on so you can learn from their wisdom, like today's guest, Carrie Roberts. Carrie is a business coach and an online business manager for creative small business owners. She helps them figure out time management and systems so that they're freed up to have enough time for work, business, and home life. Carrie is the host of her own podcast, Finding Freedom with Simple Systems. And today she's going to talk about that as it applies to writing productivity. Carrie, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Anne. I'm happy to be here. Well, I am so intrigued by this whole idea that writers who are always pressed for time and always longing for productivity, how simple systems might be the way that they can unlock and unleash that. So um, first, let's I, I've read your bio and it tells us quite a bit about you, but I would love you to explain maybe just in simple terms how what you do, how you serve people. Okay. In simple as simplest terms as possible. I help coaches and creatives and um, consultants really quiet the noise and find a simple path to success. So if you think about there's the your business can be extremely chaotic, it can be very noisy. It could I've had a client say it's like my house is on fire in the background and nobody knows. And I come in with my strategic mind as your strategic partner and kind of quiet the noise, put out the fires help strategize and prioritize what has to get done, how it gets done so that you can enjoy your business and then also enjoy the life that you're creating with the business. Carrie, that sounds like a dream come true. <laughs> Seriously, that's that's amazing. Quiet the noise. So as writers, I'm thinking about productivity, but maybe I've you're reframing the whole thing for me by helping them figure out how to <laughs> put out the fires so they can focus on their work. And I think, you know, you're showing me some other benefits that we can get from starting to think about the systems in our lives. Right. Yeah. Systems can be very loud if we're going to stick with the noise um, metaphor. Systems can be very loud. And, and when we're distracted, sometimes we don't get things done because we're too busy. It's like you're on a treadmill. You're like running in place, but you're not going anywhere. So you're not really getting anything done. So if you can start finding ways to systematize certain things in your business. Now, we're going to get into how they could potentially systematize and get a strategy for writing, but you might need to strategize or systematize other things so that you can make the space that you need to do the writing. Oh, that's a great point. And I look forward to hearing more about that. I've I've tried to do that in my life. And actually, you know, you and I have met a few times and you have given me some great ideas that I've been able to implement. I'm hoping that some of those things might work for some of our listeners as well. Um, so if, well, let's just get into this a little bit about um, how can, does this open up time? Is that maybe part of it? So we've got the, no, we got noise and maybe I'm mixing up metaphors here, but you know, there's, there's noise and 
you said something that intrigues me. I guess I'm asking a lot of questions all at once here. Let's just simplify. <laughs> you said um, some systems can be noisy. Does that mean that they need to be simplified or we need a different system? Tell me more what you meant by that. Yeah, so definitely. Things in our business can be noisy. Systems can be noisy. You and I have talked and there is a lot of talk about um, CRMs and then there's the planner community and they want to write things down and invest in all of these tech tools and writing tools. And sometimes that can bulk up the system and add more layers to it than what it actually needs to be done. So I like to kind of go in and try to find what's the simplest way if we're trying to get X done, what's the simplest way to get to X? It may not be with the fancy thing. It may not be with the shiny object, but if we can condense it and make it simple, then that can free up your time and free up your mental space so that you can get other things done. So we're not really stretching time per se, but just being really intentional and strategic with how you're spending your time. So social media um, with the coaches and the consultants that I work with, social media is a really big time suck. And I'm sure there's your listeners and watchers have social media accounts and it can be a big time suck, you know, and you see people doing the reels and pointing and dancing and doing going live and making the carousels and all like that. And we might feel like I need to be doing that too. So you might, as an example, you might spend a lot of time and energy trying to figure out how to do reels, try to figure out how to point and dance on cue, trying to figure out how to make those reels that work. But then if we look at what's working in your business, you know, just showing up in a Facebook group, answering people's questions for you might be how you're converting people. So if that's what's converting people, what's turning someone into one of your customers, then the singing and the dancing and the pointing and everything else that might be on another platform is not using your time well. So I'm not saying there's not a place for it all because there's definitely a place for it all. But if you're dealing with overwhelm, sometimes we need to take a step back and see what's working and kind of take away what's not working in the now so we can focus on what is working. And so if if we're saying you're converting in Facebook groups, but you're spending hours trying to make Instagram work for you. If we just put a pin in Instagram, then now those hours you were putting in Instagram, now you can put those hours towards something else. You can put those hours towards digging more into Facebook since that's where it's working for you or working on a new project or writing your book or something or just not and having more downtime for you and your family. So that's kind of the way that I approach things when people are overwhelmed is let's see, ultimately it's a business. And if you're writing a book or you're coaching someone or whatever the case may be, businesses need to generate income in order for them to be successful. So we need to see what's your revenue generating task and go from there as opposed to I want to do everything because everybody's telling me everything is needed. That's so good because, okay, so writers may just be sort of waking up to the possibility that, that what they're doing is ultimately a business, even if they're not generating that revenue right away. People who want to write a book may be so early in the process that they don't quite see any numbers yet, but I love this way, this forward thinking approach and this high level approach that you're giving us. So what I'm hearing is start there, start with what is producing results, what is right. creating conversions, right? Okay. So you said, for example, if you get into a Facebook group and you're interacting 
and you're getting more people on your on your email list that way, why are you spending so much time trying to figure out a reel and fighting so hard to make that happen? And any tips on how they can determine if something's working or not? Yeah. So if you have been doing this, I would say for 90 days or more, you should be able to look back and see. And whatever your metric is, it may not be revenue. It may be people on your email list. It may be um, engaged people in your community. It might be people that are showing up in different ways. However, people are interacting with you and your content. And where are those people finding you? And it's just where you really have to look back and see, okay, what's working? And then if you don't know, then this might be a really good time to just pull up a piece of paper or a spreadsheet, keep it really basic, and then just keep track of where are these people finding you? And it's not even something that you need to do daily. It might be something you just kind of do a couple minutes once a week or a couple minutes once a month, but just trying to fig- tabulate where are the people coming to see you. And then if you're newer, let's say you haven't really been at this 90 days, then I would say go for what you're most comfortable with. If we're talking about social media, because the good thing well, not really the good thing. The important thing about social media, now I'm nobody's social media expert, just to put that out there, my disclaimer, but we can't forget the social in social media. And so many people do. And so since it is a social platform, if you choose what you're most interested in, if you're beginning, then that means you're going to show up more authentically and you probably will get better results. So you might love Twitter. Well, then that's where you should start. You might love Instagram. So that's where you should start. You might love Facebook. So that's where you start. So there's no right or wrong place to start, but I would say pick something, pick the platform that you're most comfortable with and then start paying attention. Is it working when I'm showing up, when I'm posting here, when I'm doing the lives or the reels or whatever, are people doing what I want them to do, which might be engaging, following, commenting, purchasing, who knows? Are people doing that? And I would give it at least 90 days, at the minimum 90 days. And then if people aren't doing that, but you still really love Twitter or Facebook, then you might want to stay there because that's where you like to be. But then we might need to start tweaking how you're showing up and what how you're, um, how you're interacting with those people to see if we can get them to come back around. So it's still not, um, there's no hard and fast rule. But um, if you know, if you already have a little bit of information, just look back and see what's working. And then if you're new, just start where you're most comfortable. That is extremely helpful because some people are just getting started. Starting, it's kind of like, um, there's a woman named Annie F. Down. She says, chase the fun. So that's one path is to kind of like go where you're enjoying yourself. But if you have the 90 days worth of data, look at it, see what's working. And then once you do, now we have this information. The second thing I heard you say was now it's time to look at X. I want to accomplish X. And I love this phrase. What's the simplest way to accomplish X? So let's say they look at the data or they're doing the fun thing and now they have data. They've done it for 90 days and they have this information. Now, what would be the next stage of working toward discerning what X will be? How do they make that decision? Is that a kind of a system, a high level system too? I don't know if that's a system. I think that's where we're really making a little bit more like a business. So 
whatever what what would you need to what metric metric would you need to track so that you can say this is working okay so so. like i said it may not necessarily be revenue especially if someone is Mm -hmm. is newer and you might not have finished that book and you might not have a product to sell it might be um getting people on your list or -hmm. or tracking your engagement percentage um seeing how long someone is following your post it there's a variety of things you could be tracking but you should be tracking something yeah. that has a number attached to it. So then that way you can say, okay, six months from now, did the number get bigger or smaller? Okay. And then if the number got smaller, that might mean we need to tweak some things. If the number got bigger, then we might say, hey, we're moving in the right direction. So now let's think about the um, the idea of systems. This is something that I think people, and I'm talking about your simple systems approach. (laughs) Tell me, like you talked about social media is a time suck, but is there a system once you figure out what's working, is there a system that simplifies it? Or are there other areas that we should look at our lives to determine this is a great place to incorporate a system? So when I talk about systems, I personally actually have a course called Simple System Setup. And I believe that you can have a system. I believe we do have systems around pretty much everything. And my argument to that is I bet when you go to the grocery store, you probably drive the same car. You probably drive the same way. You probably park in the same general section of the parking lot. You probably go in. For me, I know I always go to the right. I go to the deli, I go to the bakery, and then I swing back around to all the grocery. I get the de- the um the dairy and the cold products, and then I head out. So I kind of do like a circle. I bet you have some sort of way. And so my personal definition of a system is something that you do that has a routine that you do repetitively. And those are systems that we, um, or maybe if you, you know, you might be side hustling and you have a nine to five, I bet you have a way that you go to work. And I bet you, if your car needs gas, you probably have a certain gas station that you prefer to frequent, you know? And so with business, or if you're working on a new project and you're at the beginning stages of business, there's so much going on that we can spend a lot of time speaking from experience spend so much time trying to do everything we forget the the beauty or the power of having a system behind it so i personally think that you can systematize almost everything and in my um in my um simple system setup course we talk it's a framework called the wham framework so the first step is figuring out where you can have a system and then we go through a process to figure out how you narrow down to choose which one it is. And then the third step is we write down the actions and then we measure it. So that's the four piece way to create a system. And it doesn't have to be fancy. Like I said, it could be on a piece of paper. You could jazz it up and put it in a sauna or Trello or whatever, but it's not the tool that makes the system work for you. It's really having that system in place. And um, usually without getting too far into it, just keeping it more general, I usually say whatever you're spending or wasting the most amount of time on is probably where you should go to systematize first, because when you get that chunk of time back, that's going to have the most impact on you. What a great way to filter. Okay. (laughs) You said so many things. I was writing things down. Uh, so you can, you said you have a great claim. You can systemize almost anything and that we have these routines and that you, anything that we're doing, let's see, what'd you say? We, anything we do routinely on a routine, 
that we, in a repetitive way, that would be an easy thing to look at and figure out how to maybe systematize in a smarter way using your WHAM method. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that, by the way. Nice acronym. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, but like, yeah, there's, but, and there's so much going on in our business that it's easy to just get overwhelmed and, and be like, where do I, where do I focus? What do I do next? I think that overwhelm is a big word I hear among all kinds of people, but my, the writers I work with, they're just, they're overwhelmed. They're exhausted. They don't know where to focus. Yeah. And so it's like a horse. I'm, I like analogies. It's like a horse, you know, um, the horse, when he's in training or racing, they put the blinders on, Right. So he can't see what's going on to the left or the right. He's just focused on his lane. And so I think that's what we should do as entrepreneurs. And it's hard because we get influenced from so many places, especially if you're like you and I and you enjoy consuming content and reading books and listening to podcasts, then we're getting inundated with so many thoughts. And sometimes it's hard to remove what we need versus what we're being told And so I think it's like, put those blinders on and then it's like, focus, focus on what works for you. So I use the example of systematizing social media, but what's working, what you might really need is to create a system to create some quiet space to write your book, right? So everybody's need is going to be different, but once you figure out what the need is, then you've got to kind of put those blinders on and say, yeah, she's got a great point about Facebook and she's doing amazing things over here on Clubhouse, but what I need to work on is here. And that's how you really can manage that overwhelm is not not really allow yourself. It's way easier said than done, but not trying to not allow yourself to be swayed like that horse, like the horse is in his lane. You might check that out. Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, I like that point, but you don't let that veer you off from your course. You still stay in your lane. That's that's a really good analogy. I can totally picture it because I think that does combat the shiny object syndrome where, oh, that looks so tempting, but hey, what I've got is working. So I'm just going to stick with what I'm doing. You, You touched on something really early on in our conversation that I'd like to ask about, which is you said some of these systems might not be directly related to our our obvious businessy tasks in our sense mm-hmm. for our writers, it might be, you know, the writing and the platform building, or if they're working on a book proposal or something like that, there might be other things that they might look at and see if there's a way to systemize it. Can you tell me more about that? Are you thinking domestic tasks? That kind of Yeah. Thing? I'm thinking like stuff at home um, or outside of work. So for me personally, cause I was side hustling for many, many years, a big thing that I had to kind of systematize, if you will, is I was that employee that would kind of get to work three to four to five minutes late. And I knew I was going to stay five or 10 minutes late on the back end. And I just figured it all kind of come out in the wash. But when I really started growing my side business, those five to 10, I live in Metro Atlanta. So those five to 10 minutes of working late might take 20 extra minutes to get home because of traffic, which didn't matter that much. But then now when I was spending time after work on my business, that 20 or 30 minutes day after day adds up. So one of the things I had to really be good about was how do I get my behind out the door on time so that I can get to work and leave on time so that I can get home on time so then I can have that space to work on my business. So the main change had nothing, was no change in my business or how I was operating in my business, but it was like the rest of my life I had to make some adjustments so that I can make time for the business. 
Right. And you mentioned that it's not about the gadget, the platform. It's, it's not necessarily about the platform or that, or that makes things simple. It's about this maybe, if I might say, a holistic approach to looking at the whole of your life and saying, wow, wait a minute, I need those 20 minutes. I'm going to rearrange my life. It's that grocery store analogy. Like, what am I doing in, in, in maybe a system that's not working very well. So I think that's what I'm, I'm sort of processing right now is the fact that I might have a system that's a really bad system. It's just not serving me. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, how can we tweak that to, Mm. so that it does work for you? And something else, it's one of my core values that I don't want to miss out on saying is integrity. We have to have integrity, especially if you're a side hustler or you're just starting out with your writing and it's alongside um, a full-time responsibility, it might be raising children, it might be working, it might be anything, is we have to have integrity. So once you see those pockets of time that you can take to work on your book or um, you find those tasks that could be done and you're saying, okay, Tuesday at 7 p.m. I'm going to get it done, you have to have integrity with that. You have to have integrity with the boundaries that you set forth, because if you don't follow through on your boundaries, then you're right back where you started. And then you're still going to be overwhelmed because now you didn't get this thing done. But then now you feel guilty because you didn't follow. You didn't you didn't make good on your promise to yourself either. You say to waste time. So you open up the 20 minutes and then you waste the 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's why I do use the social media as an example, because as I am so guilty of scrolling on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, I'm going to go on Instagram 20 minutes for fun. And it's like 45 minutes later when it's like I've got to finish a proposal for a client. But then I really needed to start cooking dinner, too. (laughs) That is a great warning. Just a friendly warning to use that. Use what you open up. Use the systems to serve in an efficient way so that you actually move toward your goals. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to writing, can you think of a hypothetical situation where a writer and you do a a fair amount of at least content um, creation, but maybe you're not, maybe you don't think of yourself as a writer. You're probably writing all the time, but like, (laughs) um, but imagine yourself in the shoes of a writer who let's say they are working on a major project. We'll just say it's a book. Although a listener might be listening and like, I don't write books, but let's just say they are working on a book with that. They had to put together a book proposal, but meanwhile, they do want to do fun things with their writing too and use social media. Like where do they look now and apply what your, all your principles that you just explained, where do they look to start saying, okay, we got the metrics. I've got the information. Um, it looks like I've, I'm seeing conversions here. Um, I'm looking at my, maybe they need to look at their schedule. Do they need to look at their schedule to see something there that can help them? Um, they have to make that decision. You were saying, do, are they deciding on where to spend the time on what to spend the time and then where to find the time? Tell me a little bit more about like, just how do they untangle it all now that they've got the information? Okay. So if the project is the book, right? The example is the book and they've got to get this proposal done. I've never written a book. So I read, but I've never written a book. So what I would say is if you, you probably have a deadline, right? Usually. Yes. So you have a deadline. And so we know we need to get this much done and books are according to words, like 10,000 words, 20,000 words. Right. Mm -hmm. So we need to get 10,000 words done in six months. Let's just say, does that sound realistic? 
That's, let's go with that. That sounds okay. Great. Let's go with that. Okay. Let's say 12,000 words in six months. Cause that's easier math. So then I would say, okay, then that means that's roughly 2000 words a month. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many chapters it will be. Let's stick with words. So that's 2000 words a month. And let's say, you know, when you sit down, you have, you can bang out 500 words at a time, let's say. So wait, let's say yeah, 500 words. So that would be six sessions of 500 words per month. Yeah. For six months to get yeah. you to the 12,000 word by the deadline. Okay. So if you know you have six, you need six pockets of time in a, in a month period mm-hmm. to get those. And each time you're doing 500 words, then you might not be able to do the fun stuff while you're doing that. Right depending on what your other obligations are. Are you working full-time? Are you raising children? Are you taking care of a loved one? Do you just, you know, have ADD and you just don't want to overwhelm yourself? There's so many variables. Yeah. But if we if we say the goal is this project and it's 12,000 words, then that's what we have to make as the priority, right? So that's what I would say is make, find those six pockets of where you could write the 500 words Put that on your calendar first. Ooh, yeah, that's good. And then I would honestly, I would say put that on your calendar first and then prioritize family second if you have a family. Because you you want your loved ones to still love you even when you're working through this process. And then the fun stuff is just going to have to be a fun. Like you may not actually be able to schedule that, but the fun stuff isn't going to move you towards your goal of writing the book, but writing the book will. Does that help? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> you said so many excellent things because some of it was practical about, you know, okay, you've got a deadline. You've got to meet the deadline. Break it down into chunks. Schedule the chunks. Super practical. But you slipped in there that little that little sweet realization that your loved ones, if you are in a family situation, you've got to somehow work together. They need to provide that support for what mm-hmm. you're doing too. And so there needs to be communication there and you need to have fun. Like there's so much good in that. Yeah. And so like that's, uh, so I, what I'm seeing now then is part of these systems may be about time management or blocking. And you have a, you have a gift for our readers they can sign up for, right? Don't yes. You have- I have my time blocking template. The original version was only for side hustlers. And I had a template for if you worked in the evenings, a template for if you worked on the weekends and a template that was create your own, choose your own adventure. Um, and it, there was time for like, if you go to church, if you exercise, family time, work, and business. But as I've moved and I work with more entrepreneurs that are more part-time or full-time, I just felt like that um, time blocking template wasn't serving everybody. So what I did is I revamped it and I actually have a little bit more information to explain what is time blocking and how you can use it in your life. And then there are three different um, templates. One is if you work about 24 hours, wait, 20 hours a week, no, 24 hours a week, sorry, 32 hours a week in your business or 40 hours a week in your business. And that one is is only for business and that prioritizes according to administrative tasks, growth tasks, client work. And then I still make sure we have time for exercise and then time to eat lunch because sometimes people are home all day and they forget to eat. So 
If you wanted the original version for Side Hustlers, it's embedded in the newer version. So they can just sign up for the one and they can have access to both. But I try to make it as flexible as possible. And um, I like to do time blocking in like two, sorry, one to three hour blocks. I don't believe that you should block a whole day or a whole afternoon. Um, but I I mean, in my personal life, I, I operate in one hour blocks. Um, that's how I get stuff done. I like to know that like after we do this interview, I'm going to be able to veg out for 20 or 30 minutes before my next test. That's just what works for me. And so I encourage your readers and listeners to have a little bit of self-awareness and kind of have an idea of what works for you and then give you the freedom and the permission to know whatever you get from me, it can be adjusted. So if you really like to work in four hour blocks, you can take the same concepts and adjust it. But at the same time, if you like to work in 30 minute increments, you can do the same thing as well. What I really love about this whole approach to time blocking and time, I don't know if you'd call it management, maybe management's the wrong term, I'm not sure. <laughs> but, but I love how you've, you're acknowledging the fact that our lives are sort of mingled with like our work and our life. It's we're, we're whole people that need to address and not neglect certain things while we're moving towards toward goals. And I also love your sense of limits, like uh, that writing within a chunk or working within a chunk of time deserves a break to re- re-engage with whatever the next thing is, whether it's more of the same or a different task. I found the same thing, Carrie, when I, I do a lot of content review in, a, in my coaching work. And uh, so when I'm spending time with something, especially a bigger project, I have found that I naturally can't go much more than an hour without, you know, looking up, I know, <laughs> getting up, walking around, uh, getting, you know, cause it actually helps refresh my brain. And even if I go straight back into that same project, my brain mm-hmm. is kind of refreshed, reoriented and I'm physically, I've moved around a little bit and then I can come back to it. You know what? I want to share something about that. Um, it's so interesting. And I think so much, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a little bit. I think so much of the a lot of the pressure we put on ourselves as home-based entrepreneurs, whether you're full-time or not, is this whole concept of working eight hours, which is, a, I mean, after you take out sleeping and eating, eight hours is a pretty significant chunk of our day. And um, research has shown in the corporate side that an employee, a good employee that works eight hours a day is only doing about four hours of billable time. Because you take out the snack breaks, you take out chatting at the water cooler, you take out the extended lunch, you take out, I need a break, I'm going to go walk the hallway. I used to work at a hospital, and so people would walk outside, you know, something happens, I need to get a breath of fresh air. And then just the chatter between coworkers. And when you add all of that up, minus the lunch break, you add all of that up, they say they're really only working about four hours out of the day, billable time. So I think that those of us that are working at home, we have made ourselves think like you got to work for eight hours or six hours straight. But if you were at the office, you would have probably naturally have taken that hour break, right? You would have felt the need to stretch. It's like, oh, let me go to the bathroom. Oh, let me check my phone. It's in my locker. You know, we find little things at work to like, busy ourselves, I guess. But in retrospect, I'm thinking now, I have no way to research it or back it up, but I'm thinking now that's like our mental capacity of telling us like, hey, I need a break. I need, you know, because we can't just work. It's so hard to work for hours on end on the same task. 
in writing circles, we talk about flow. We talk about, you know, deep work. What's the guy's name? Is it, um, I can't think of his last name, Cal something. I know Um, I don't know it. (laughs) I can't think of it, but you know, he talks about deep work and how to do that kind of um, important creative work that has depth to it does require a focus, focus and time. Do you think these things can go together? Do you think the, my, my, like I'm talking about just naturally looking up after an hour, like an hour has gone by and I, my brain told me I needed a break. Am I still able to engage with deep work? This is a big question among writers. I would love to hear you address that. So I'm going to kind of mesh a whole bunch, a couple of things together. And this is not my zone of sure. genius. So Go I'm for it. That out there. But um, when you're in flow, you are extremely efficient and you're working off your natural skills and you can do it for a long period of time because doing the work is actually like replenishing your like mental capacity. So if we went off of that and then I'll go ahead and mesh that with zone of genius versus zone of excellence. If you're really in your zone of genius, I bet you could get in that flow and and be in it for a while because it's when you're technically in your flow, it's not tiring you out. Yeah. But so many of us are in our zone of excellence and working in your zone of excellence is mentally fatiguing because the zone of genius is like all natural skills. Um, You don't really have to work hard at it, but you're really good at it. Whereas the zone of genius is something that you've put a lot of time and effort in. And so you've become really good at it, but it's something that has been a result of a lot of work. Okay. Let me get this straight then. Zone of genius is flowing out of my natural abilities and tendencies, just the way I'm made. Zone of excellence is something I've gotten very good at, but with a lot of training, effort, skill building. And what I'm hearing you say is zone of genius. I can probably work longer and easier because it's efficient and it's like it just flows. And zone of excellence, I might be having to like hammer pretty hard to get things out. Is that something? Yes. And I um I came across a study from Forbes. I actually did a podcast episode on this a few weeks back. Forbes was saying the majority of adults work their life around zone of excellence mm. as opposed to zone of genius. Yeah. I think this would be interesting for us to say like how much of what I do with a, as a writer flows out of who I am, how much of a writer, how, how much of my work is flowing out of the things I've learned and developed. Does that mean we shouldn't do the things in our zone of excellence? No, it just means you have to just make, you know, make accommodations. So okay. you might need to build in those breast breaks. And I think about some writers that I love and they, it, to me, it feels like they take forever to write their book, right? So maybe that's why it takes so long to write because you're, it's tapping into your emotional, it's tapping into your psyche, it's tapping into your creativity, which does sound to be very taxing. So you might need just more rest breaks to get it done. I don't think that maybe it's not fair to say, oh, you could just whip this up in three weeks, but give yourself the time that's needed. But no, there's nothing wrong with working in your zone of excellence at all. I'm I'm a trained physical therapist. I've been a therapist for 17 years, but I, I, I'm curious if being a therapist is my zone of excellence. And then oh. my strategy is what's really my zone of genius, which they go together because so much of what I learned about time management and prioritization and stuff that we talked about really came from me 
working in the clinic as an orthopedic therapist. So it's not saying one is without the other, but I find talking about systems and helping people with their systems, it's so much easier than it is for when I was like learning how to be a physical therapist. Fascinating. And it is interesting. Just it, yeah. it is. Because <laughs> it, it causes you to self-reflect and then make accommodations. Like maybe make a bigger chunk of time for me to, to have focus time, break focus time versus the person who's in their zone of genius. If I get there, if I get enough time to get in it, I can probably sustain it for a little bit longer. So then we can kind of accordion style uh, organize our day using your tool to help us start to think it through. I think that's yeah. And something helpful. else I wanted to add, because I have multiple clients that I serve. There's yeah. different, because I am right now I'm working as an online business manager. There's certain tasks as an online business manager that I really enjoy. That's like super easy. Then there's other things that take a little, they're a little harder. So I kind of try to sandwich them. So it's like easy task for this client. And then I might swing over. So I might be working four or five hours straight, but it's like, I'm like, this is going to take me 30 minutes for her. Ooh, this is going to take me an hour for him. Then I'm going to come back over to her, do something that's easy for 45 minutes. And then I'm going to do something really hard for 20 minutes. So even within that realm, you know, there's still, I'm sure there's writing is a different skill set than editing and proofing, you know, all of those things are different skill sets and they're all under the umbrella of writing, but one might be easier. One might feel more enjoyable than the other. And so then you just, I would say like, do like a push and a pull instead of just forcing yourself to sit there for four or five hours, go ahead and build in some breaks with some fun stuff. So it's not That's so... a great tip. I love it. <laughs> Build, yeah, the, the that toggling between the harder thing or the thing that's kind of an energy drainer or needs a different kind of brain. Yeah, you know us. You know us writers. You know. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. The editing brain is a completely different brain, taps into a different part of us than the creator brain that's needed to actually just get the words out, get the ideas down. Yeah. So this is fantastic. I, I let's just end with maybe if you have, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but it, it like if when it comes to low hanging fruit, if you will, like the, the very first thing to look at, do you have like just a tip for a writer? Like looking looking around, I you've given us like a whole plan for how to analyze, but is there any low hanging fruit we can just like yeah that take a look at that and see if you can I would I down. would just say I would say remember why you're doing it. And just keep that in front of you. Like, what's, I think it was Simon Sinek says, like, it starts with why. Just remember your why. You know, are you doing this for as a creative outlet and you want it to be enjoyable? Then how you move with this project is might be different. Are you doing this because you're really trying to make a lot of money and be on the New York bestseller, top seller, bestseller? Um you might move a little different. So it's like, remember why you're working on this project in the first place and then let that why guide all of those other decisions that we already talked about. Love it. I love it. Carrie, how can people get to know you better? Um, And I'm going to put all these things in the show notes too, but why don't you just tell us in case they're just driving down the road, they're ready to go get to know Sure. So first, my name is not spelled typical way. It's K-A-R-I. So my Instagram is where I hang out, which I liked Instagram. So that's where I just kind of built my company. But it's carry.and.company. 
So Carrie and Company. And um, my website, it's going to be CarrieAndCompany.com. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And we can get your freebie. Is, is, is it free? The, the time management? The time blocking template is free. All versions are free. And then there is a tripwire attached to it, which is my time management guide, which a lot of tips that I talked about here is in the guide. Mm-hmm. And so that is, you can get it for the first 15 minutes, you can purchase it for $9, but you just register for one and it'll take you to the landing page for the other. I think you've given us such an incredible taste of what it would be like to work with Carrie Robertson Company, Carrie and Company, <laughs> and and they can now dive in and get to know you a little bit better. Thank you for your time. Thank you for investing in writers today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope some of them reach out to me. I'd love to keep the conversation going. Now that you're probably thinking about your zone of excellence versus your zone of genius, and you're trying to figure out how to create the kind of space in your days to make time for writing Let me know what kind of action point you're going to take. How are things going to change as a result of hearing Carrie's great advice? I'd love to hear from you. This episode is brought to you by Perfecting Your Pitch, a training led by literary agent and author Cynthia Rukti. Perfecting Your Pitch is for authors preparing to meet one-on-one with agents or editors so they can enter those sessions with confidence and explain their project with clarity. This $27 masterclass will be held live via Zoom on Thursday, July 8th, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, with a replay available. You can also purchase this after the training and watch it on demand. Learn more at annkroker.com slash perfectingyourpitch. I'm Ann Croker, writing coach. Thank you for listening.